Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm your host, Bryce Johnson. Really glad to be with you today. You can check out our website, unpackingit.com, and check out some of our previous guest interviews. Clint Gresham, Scott Hansen, David Pollock, a lot of great guys have been a part of this show. Today, Mark Schlereth is our guest. I, th- I think you'll be pleasantly surprised to hear all of his insight and some really cool stories uh, just about his career in the NFL, his decision to leave ESPN and join Fox, and, and plenty of other good stuff about the, the NFL season uh, that is underway. Uh, man, two weeks down. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Uh, glad my Panthers are 2-0. and would love to see Cam Newton and that offense really get going, though. That's that's for sure. Uh, would love to hear from you, though. You can send me an email anytime, Bryce at unpackingit.com, Bryce at unpackingit.com. And also want to invite you to some of our events coming up this fall. And if you're in the Charlotte area, would love for you to be there. And if you're listening from somewhere else uh, around the country and you want to support these events, we would greatly appreciate that as well. But we've got a golf tournament, a flag football tournament, and then the Belk Bowl breakfast. So, so let me know if you'd like to get involved. More information on unpackingit.com. While you're there, sign up for our weekday email devotional. It's a quick thought about sports, faith, and life sent directly to your email inbox. Stick around after our interview with Mark. I'll let you know what impacted me the most or maybe the biggest takeaway that I have uh, for myself and hopefully can be something that you take away as well. But right now, let's get to it. It's Mark Schlereth. Our guest today won three Super Bowls as an offensive lineman playing with the Redskins from 1989 to 1994 and the Broncos from 95 to 2000. He also spent 16 years as an analyst with ESPN, appearing on radio and TV. Now you can see him on FS1 throughout the week and Sundays on Fox as an in-game analyst. He was born in Alaska, played his college football at Idaho. He's got his own stinking good green chili sauce. He's an actor, a radio host in Denver, and has his own podcast, too. I'm pleased to be joined by Mark Schlereth to talk sports, faith, and life right here on Unpacking It. Mark, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're psyched to have you, and, and we'll, we'll, I want to talk about your, your career and, and, and your faith and, and all that, but, but with it being a couple weeks into the NFL season, we're all trying to figure things out, and, and one of the big questions it seems to be that, that we've gotten off to a slow start and the offenses don't seem to be <laughs> clicking or as dynamic as, as maybe we expect and as fantasy players had, had hoped. So what, what do you make of maybe some of the offenses not getting going as quickly this year? Well, offensive football is always behind the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and just as, that's just the history of the NFL. And then you couple in the fact that you're not allowed to hit people anymore yeah. um, in practice. You know, there's so much, the time is so limited with what you get to do, the practice time, all those things. And then, let's face it, you know, there's five or six guys on each team, maybe eight guys, that are, you know, your franchise. I always say it's the 80-20 rule. 80% of the guys make 20% of the money, and 20% of the guys make 80% of the money. Yep. And so one of those guys is obviously your quarterback, and you can't afford to get your quarterback hurt playing him a bunch in the preseason. So the timing and the rhythm of offense is just off. Rhythm, uh, uh, offense is such a rhythmic 
thing. Mm. Um, it's such a, rib, a rhythmic activity. And when you don't practice it a bunch and you're trying to figure out your starting offensive line, your starting backs and how they gel together and your tight ends and your quarterback doesn't get to play, and so cadence is all different from each different quarterback, it's really hard to develop a rhythm. And, and a lot of people don't understand this. Like when we call a play on two, as an offense, you know, the quarterback goes, blue 80, blue 80, hot, <laughs> There's a rhythm to it. Yep. You know, three is, hot, hot, you know, like that. And as you start to de- decipher the rhythm of the quarterback, as an offensive lineman, the, you know, really the only advantage you have as an offensive lineman from, from you know, because you think about it, um, we're the last rung on the ladder. You know I mean, <laughs> from offensive lineman, the next move is fan. Mm. You can't transition to any other place. You're you're, <laughs> you know, you're still exceptional athletes, but you're wor- the worst athletes on on the football field. Mm. And so it's not like you ever see. You've seen a bunch of defensive linemen transition to offensive linemen. I just did a game in uh, in Tampa Bay, Chicago against Tampa Bay. The starting right guard for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is a guy by the name of J.R. Sweezy. Mm. He was a defensive lineman all through college. Transitioned as a Seattle Seahawk from defensive line to offensive line. Yeah. You've seen that. You see linebackers move to DN, DNs move to D-tackle. You've seen safeties move to linebacker. You see all those things. Corners move to safety. You don't ever see an offensive lineman all of a sudden decide to lose 50 pounds and play linebacker. It doesn't happen. <laughs> and so the rhythm of the snap and the cadence is all you have. So when they say on two and they go, blue 80, blue 80, ha-da, we're leaving. All of us leave on one. Wow. We, time, we time the snap count. And so when all of a sudden you don't practice, you don't practice with a guy, you guys aren't, you guys aren't hitting, and, you know, there's such a – I always get upset, and I get – I mean, I'm just – I get really ticked off when people talk about skilled position players because hmm. there's no more skill – there's no, there's no position that's any more skillful than that of an offensive lineman. I mean, think about moving another 320, 30-pound man – from point A to point B against his will. Oh, that gosh. takes great strength, but it takes unbelievable technique to be able to get that done. And and so there's a skill that needs to be developed, and it can only truly be developed by playing and being in pads. And and you just don't you don't get that in training camp anymore. So defensive linemen can just pin their ears back and go. Skill like you know if you've got a great three technique or great five technique or great seven technique. Uh, they're going to be great the first day they put their hand in the dirt because they can just go <laughs> hell bent for election. Offensive line is different that way, and it takes some time, and it takes some rhythm, and it takes some practice. And we've taken that out of the game because of the fear of injury, especially to our key players. So uh, that's why the offense will always lag behind. It's it's the first two weeks or three weeks of the season is just an extension of the preseason, and it really is for the offense to get its timing and rhythm back. Wow. No, that's a, that's a great perspective. So I, I guess in conclusion, no reason to panic then for, for a lot of these offenses, or, or, or is there maybe an offense that you're most concerned about as you kind of have watched the first two weeks? Well, I mean, there's always – that's the beauty of NFL football. You're always in panic mode. And that's why – it's one of the reasons a lot of people can't play. Like, there is there is just – you're always – this sense of urgency and this sense of, sense of panic is – it permeates organizations. Hmm. And if you have one bad game or a couple of bad plays, they, they everybody freaks out. And, and so the stress is tremendous when you play um, and when you coach. And so – uh, yeah, I'm concerned about a lot of teams. I'm concerned about a lot of teams because not only a lack of you know rhythm on offense, but a lot of them have a lack of talent, yeah. and that talent usually 
because they spend so much money on receivers. They spend so much money on the quarterback. They spend so much money on their receiving tight end that they think they can get away without spending any money on the offensive line. Mm. Seattle, the New York Giants, they think they can get away with that. And, you know, you, you can't. I mean, you show me a team early that has a group up front that can play, and I'll show you a team that will be in every game. And, you know, you, you look at the Giants, what's wrong with Eli Manning? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with Eli Manning. He's getting head planted into the turf. I mean, that's what's wrong with Eli yeah. Manning. And, and so it just is – it's a real interesting – it's a real interesting um, kind of dynamic because we put so much emphasis and, and we put so much um, priority on guys who touch the football – and I'll just tell you, if you can't block people at its core, this game will never change. If you can't block, you can't hit, you can't tackle, you're not going to be any good. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. you. You even throw the Packers in that mix, too, with Aaron Rodgers running around for, for his life a little bit, too. So a right. um, lot, lot of teams facing that. Good perspective. Former offensive lineman Mark Schlereth uh, with us here on Unpacking It, now with Fox Sports FS1. And, and, and I want to hear kind of a, a little bit about this story because, I mean, you were at ESPN forever, 16 years, and, and you make this jump to Fox. H- how has the transition been for you, and, and, and what was that decision-making process like for you to, to end up at Fox? It's been great. You know, it's been, a, it's been an awesome decision. Uh, 16 years is a long time to be anywhere, and, um, and frankly, it was just time. I mean – it was a great run. It was a great 16-year run, and I've got a lot of great friends and a lot of great memories. Yeah. But I, I was never going to do anything other than what I was doing. Yep. And what I was doing was great, and I loved it. But I wanted an opportunity to to do some other things. I wanted an opportunity. I've always wanted an opportunity to be in the booth. That's. One of the reasons I got into this business, and I didn't want to do it at the college level. Mm. I didn't want to transition into a college analyst because I, that's not what I follow. That's not my passion. Mm. I know that college football is great. I know people love college football. That's oh, yeah. not my passion. The NFL is my passion. And so it just got to the point where, you know, the last few years, um, you know, you come to the realization that no matter how good you are at your job, there's no uh, there, there's no other place for you to go. The ESPN wasn't moving me to Sunday Countdown, or they weren't moving me to Monday Night Football. You know, there's a dearth of opportunity when it comes to those shows, and so I just knew that if I wanted to expand and grow and do something different, I was going to have to leave. And so the opportunity came to go to FS1, a new network, something they're trying to build. And I know it's not as big or it's not as prominent, but it's great. The culture is unbelievable. And I had an opportunity to do what I always wanted to do. Uh, so since the time that in my first Monday night game and John Madden, you know, was going to call the, the game, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and and uh, the first time I ever saw, well, was it John? I don't know if it was Monday night or whatever game it was, but when John Madden showed up to our practice facility to watch practice, and I don't know if it was Monday night or not, if he was doing Monday nights, but it doesn't matter. The The point being is that John Madden showed up to our practice and seeing John Madden at your practice, he was, he was literally a rock star, man. And like, you're just like, Oh my gosh, that's John Madden. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not a memorabilia guy. I don't have a lot of, you know, I don't have a, Hey, come look at my, uh, my shrine room. You know, here's my shrine to my career room, you know, or whatever. I don't have that at my house. I, I just don't care. Yeah. 
But one of the coolest things I've had and I've kept and I've never really worn it, I've got a all Madden team hat and an all Madden team letter jacket. Ah, that's cool. And, and it's just really cool, right? The all Madden team. Love and it. it just meant a lot to me. And so ever since, you know, I, I, I played and, and I got to see that, I, you know, I've always wanted to have that opportunity. And uh, Fox came to me and, and uh, my contract was up and, you know, I talked to ESPN and they're making a lot of changes and I was ready for a change. And so it just kind of the timing of it was perfect and no hard feelings and everybody's good and we're all still friends, but I needed a change. And frankly, you know, they, they probably needed a change as well. So it it worked out for the best and to do games for me. I mean, I did a game last week. I did Chicago at Tampa and the energy of that game and the excitement and the, I mean, I'm calling a 29, nothing game and (laughs) I am knee deep in it, man. I love it. Uh, You know, just absolutely. It's as cool as anything I've ever done. Wow. And so hopefully the passion through the broadcast came out and people, you know, were excited to watch it. Yeah. You seem to get some, some very positive feedback. And I I watched the red zone channel on, on Sunday. So I'm bouncing around and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I hear your voice. Oh, there's Slareth. So what, what is it about the booth though? And, and, and how different is it really now that you're, you're in it, especially on, on an NFL level? Um, it's, it's just so cool because you get to be back in the facilities. You know, I was in, in Tampa Bay on Friday and I went to the Friday practice and, you know, I get access to the practice and I'm watching everybody practice. And then, you know, we have production meetings. I'm talking to coaches and players and just in the facility, man. And I got home or got back to the hotel and I called my wife and I said, in 17 years of broadcasting, that was the, this is the best day I've ever had. Oh, that's great. Because it was, I felt like I was back in, I felt like I was playing again. Yep. You feel the energy of it and, and you, in the passion um, that you had as a player and the excitement, and then you get to talk to coaches and, and, you know, guys that you've watched and that you've been fans of and guys that, you know, have been a fan of, you know, go, go all the way back to your career. Like Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter was at Idaho State in the early 80s, and I came in in the mid-80s to the University of Idaho. So Mm -hmm. the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was an Idaho State guy. (laughs) So we just instantly, as soon as he walked in the room, I've never met him, we instantly started flipping each other grief about our (laughs) alma maters, you know? Like, we're getting after each other. And it was just, it was awesome. It was just a really, really cool opportunity. So we're talking with Mark Slareth here on Unpacking It, now with Fox Sports. You'll hear him on Sundays calling games and throughout the week on FS1, all the different shows that they've got. And, and so we've, we've, we've heard Tony Romo, he jumped into the booth as kind of a, a rookie in, in the booth, and, and people have been breaking his, his, his game down, and Rex Ryan was in the booth, and, and now here you are getting on the, on the big stage as, as well. What are some of the, the difficult things about it or, or what you were surprised by now experiencing it in the booth? Well, I, I think the amount of work that goes into a decent broadcast, uh, you know, the amount of time you spend reading articles, reading about the team, you know, breaking down the games that they have played, looking for tendencies, looking for what, you know, what your eyes are drawn to, um, then talking to the coaches and talking to the players and talking to the GMs and, you know, and getting a great sense for those teams. And then, you know, it's just meetings and, and preparation and reading and your boards. And, 
Um, there's so much work that goes into mm. it. And, you know, my, my thought is I, I attacked it like I was a player. I yeah. mean, as a player, I just left no stone unturned. So when I got out on the football field, um, after, you know, just countless hours of study and film, I used to show up. My wife, it's so funny, my wife for years thought I was supposed to be at the hotel Saturday night at 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> and it was like three years into it, she realized I wasn't really supposed to be there until I had a 7 o'clock offensive line meeting. Oh, She goes, you've been going five hours early. And because I spent five hours, I went through every play, um, Every 18 handoff against, you know, 18, 19 handoff against seven different defenses they play. And I would write down every, every intricate detail. I want to take this step with my right foot. I want my second step to split the crotch of the defender. I want it to be eight inches deep. I want um, my, my hat on the inside number right in the V of his neck. I want to try to break his collarbone. I want my hands here. This is how I want to strike this guy mm. on this particular. And I went through every single play. It took me about four to five hours to go through every single play, every, every hat placement, every hand position, every foot placement, everything. Wow. And then when I got to the game on Sunday, I could turn in my playbook, slam it in this little, in this little, uh, you know, this little receptacle they would have, this little cart they would have. And when I strapped on my chin strap, I didn't have to think. Mm. I was just, I knew what I was doing. I had I, gone through every scenario in my head. And my thing for the first game that I ever broadcast was, I want to be so prepared that I don't have to think. When I get into the booth, I just want to talk about football. Mm. Man, that's And great. I never, like, I, the whole time I was in the booth, I never looked at my notes. I never looked at I I because I had I gone I'd spent I, I guarantee I spent easy fifty hours prepping that game wow. during the week. Wow, that's incredible. And so I just don't think people realize how much actually goes into that broadcast, and then just being there, the energy of being at the broadcast, the energy of you have the windows open and there's so much eye candy. Like <laughs> you're looking, you, the windows are open. You're looking down on the field, but then you've got your game monitor right beside you. And then you've got your notes underneath you. And then you've got on one side, you've got a whole stat sheet awesome. uh, on the, you know, on a computer screen. So it gives you all the first downs. It gives you everything. And then you've got what they call an ISO cam. So the play gets over the play by play guy is done. Bam. So-and-so on the tackle. Then you jump in and you're talking about whatever it is you're talking about. Like, Oh, the fullback, he had a scam protection. He went across the football, right? And so then as you're talking about it, the producer is in your ear while you're talking saying, hey, look at your ISO cam, look at your ISO cam. Here's what the fullback did. Bam. And you go, let's draw. Let's draw. So they re-rack it, and all of a sudden it's there. Now you've got the little, you've got your little, it's up all, and you've got your, um, you know, you, you've got your telestrator. So now I'm hitting circles and buttons and, uh. you know, bells and whistles and, and it's just like there is so much eye candy. And then all of a sudden, bam, you're done with it. And he's back into the play-by-play and the rhythm Sweet. and the timing of it. And uh, it was just it, – it it feels like – I don't know what people feel like when they watch. A, I mean, I know, you know you're like, hey, is this three-hour game or whatever, hours and ten minutes, whatever it is. It literally feels like you're in the booth for 30 minutes uh. and the game's over. That's I mean, it's so intense and there's so much going on. 
Uh, it, it was it was pretty incredible. That's that's really cool to hear. Mark Schlereth, our guest right now on Unpacking It. And uh, yeah, just great to hear your, your passionate uh, passion about broadcasting and, and being in the booth. Really, really neat to hear. And I also know that, that you're passionate about your faith. And, and so here on Unpacking It, we love talking about that side of, of guys' lives as well. And, and so I'll, I'll ask you, why did you place your faith in Jesus and, and why do you continue to follow him today? Um, you know, interestingly enough, when I, and I grew up in the church and, and I grew up, uh, going to church and, um, and accepting Jesus as my savior as, as a, as a kid. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you, you get to teenage years and you try to run the streets and you do some things you probably shouldn't have done. And, and, you know, those things happen. I think those things happen to, to all of us. And I got drafted to the Washington Redskins and, um, it was, it was a phenomenal experience. And the truth of the matter is, um, Joe Gibbs asked us, uh, my very first meeting was, was like, he, Joe Gibbs was like, Hey, he introduced, um, he introduced our team chaplain guy by the name of Lee quarter. And, um, and so he, he, Lee Quarter talked for a little bit, and then he said, hey, man, you know, we're going to have Bible study today. Um, I would love for all you to, you know, all you men to, to come. You're all invited. And, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in the church, but if I'm being completely honest, um, really the only reason I showed up is because I thought it'd give me a better chance to make the team. I was like, <laughs> hey, listen, if I'm there and Joe Gibbs sees me and it comes down between me and another guy who wasn't at Bible study, you know, maybe yep. I'm the guy they pick. Yeah. And you, you, you walk in and you have those intentions and then, um, you know, you, you see the love and the care and the concern um, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Mm. And that's what I experienced. Wow. And at that point, I was just like, you know what? I'm back in. I'm in, man. And and you know what? It's been an incredible journey, and I don't always do it well. No, I hear you. But uh, it's, it's amazing, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so humbled by the fact that God loved me so much. You know, I always think about John 3.16, and you see it in every stadium. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And when you really break it down, it's, it's so personal that he loved me enough to give his Son. And as a parent, I think to myself, I don't care. I would gladly lay down my life for any one of my children. But mm-hmm. if it comes between you and my child... And it, there's a, a, a significant situation, dude, I'm leaving you. Wow. Um, and, and to think that um, that's how much he loves me, um, it's, it's pretty incredible when you think about it. And, and I just always try to think about how I want to be treated. And I think about, um, I've always kind of thought and, and embraced Philippians chapter 2. Um, and I, I've always just, to me, that's always been kind of a, a, a personal mission, mission statement on how you, how you treat people, um, you know, how, how you make a difference by the way you love people and the yeah. way you, you know, the way you, you, um, just the, the way you are. And, and in Philippians, as you know, I mean, you know, uh, 
Paul is writing to the church of uh, the writing to the church, and he's imprisoned at the time. And and I just love I love make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love, being united in spirit, having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish, uh, empty conceit, each of you should, in humility, uh, consider one another as better than himself. I, ah. I just like that to me is the essence of that to me is the essence of of what we're supposed to be about but it also is the essence for of me for like I look at the the teams I was involved in and being championship teams yeah, and, yeah. and that's why it's so hard to win a championship because until you're willing to sacrifice and and look at others as more important than yourself it, it's it's virtually impossible to win mm. and to win championships and um I just always have, have tried to be kind and be gracious and be thankful, and even in disappointments, know that God is in control, and that, um, and that you know, I've always just tried to look at it like, you know, what I am so blessed to have the opportunities that I've had, and did I work hard for them? Absolutely, all those things. But um, I've gotten to live out a childhood dream, mm. and I'm thankful on a daily basis. I'm just thankful. Ah, I love it. Mark Schlereth sharing his heart with us on Unpacking It. And, and man, a great perspective. And even as you mentioned, the, the tough times, God was in control. When, when you look back at your life, what, what has maybe been a, a key season of life or a, a moment where you can, you can look back and see that's where your faith really grew, even though it was a tough time? <laughs> yeah, there's so, there's so many. Uh, I'm I sure. mean, I. You know, you you look at it's it's so funny because human nature you know takes over and like during the good times I'm too busy patting myself on the back sometimes <laughs> to be thankful and I'm I I try to really I just try to really um, recognize God's God's uh, grace um, and I just try to recognize that like I said that He is in control and I try to recognize. Um, that that I have been blessed in those situations, but you know I've been retired from football as a junior in college, and and um, I mean literally retired. The school wouldn't let me play anymore, and begging people to let me play. And and then you know it's so you, you talk about that second chapter of uh, Philippians about being a servant and, mm. and treating one another as more important than himself. The only reason I played in the NFL is because I had a buddy at the University of Idaho by the name of Marvin Washington, who was my dear, dear friend. And Marvin used to, um, used to, or, or he was very highly recruited. He called me up one night out of the blue, didn't ask him, called me up and said, hey, you know, such and such a team is coming to work me out tomorrow morning at seven. Why don't you show up to my workout? Wow. And I, I didn't have an agent. I was I played essentially one year of college football where I was healthy. I had switched positions back to offensive line because I was playing defense for a while, and and so like probably fifteen different workouts, twenty different workouts where Marvin Washington was being worked out by another team. He called me up and invited me to his workouts, mm. and so I showed up to his workouts and I blew I blew the workouts away. And that's how I eventually got on the radar of several teams because of Marvin Washington. Um, one of the great, you know, one of the great pay it forward stories is, uh, yeah, I probably cost him three rounds in the draft because oh. my workouts were so good. You know, <laughs> it was like every he would call me up and go, I don't know why I'm continuing to call you, but so and so is coming back. But 
the great the greatness is Marvin went on to play probably twelve years in the NFL. And he played for the Jets while I was playing for the Skins, you know, and he bounced around. He was in San Francisco and I was in Denver. And we won the championship in nineteen ninety seven. We won the Super Bowl against the Green Bay Packers. Yep. And um it was January of ninety eight. And so I'm in the training room rehabbing whatever injury, whatever surgery I just had. And Mike Shanahan, our head coach, comes down. It's probably March, um, maybe February, whatever it is. And he says, hey, yo, Sam. And I said, yeah, what's up? And he goes, hey, man, we need some depth of all our defensive line. Ooh. And he goes, we want a guy that can both play D-end and D-tackle. And, and you've been in the league forever. Like, uh, I, I want your opinion on – I got a list of, you know, five or six guys. We're, we want to sign somebody. So is there anybody on this list that you look at that, like, fits our team? I go, yeah, let me see the list. I grab the list, and the first name that I see is Marvin Washington. Ah, that's great. I didn't even see any other name. And I said, yeah, sign him. He's the guy. Oh, he's, cool. he's one of us. That's and so cool. we signed him, and then Marvin and I won a Super Bowl together the very next year. Oh, that's a great story. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, but, you know, you talk about being a servant and, and thinking of others more than you think of yourself. Like, I wouldn't have played in the NFL had it not been for Marvin Washington and and his love for me. And mm. so um, it just is a, you know, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. But there's that. I mean, I missed a season with uh, uh, Gillian Barr syndrome where I lost all the feeling in my arms and legs. I missed half oh, the man. season. I was really sick. Had nine surgeries over the course of my career. Um, you know, there was a lot of times that you're you're kind of, Laying in a hospital bed, going, Lord, seriously, this is this is my career. This yeah. is what I'm. What this is what I'm. You know, this is what I've got to accept. And um, yeah, there were plenty of times where you're like, not again, mm. not again. But mm. um, you know, you look back at it all, and and I'm just, I wouldn't trade a thing. I'm just thankful. Ah, what a, what a great word and 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 way to to end today. Uh, really appreciate you you sharing your your heart and, and just some awesome stories here on unpacking it and uh, wish you the best this season in the booth. We'll be listening and and, and watching you on on FS1 and, and Fox Sports. He's Mark Schlereth and and really appreciate you being a part of the show today, Mark. My pleasure. Have a great day, man. Man, that was awesome. Really cool to to hear from Mark and and I hope that you kind of enjoyed maybe a different side of, of Mark. We've been watching him on ESPN for the last 16 years and and crazy to think that he's now at Fox, but but really neat to hear how excited he is about being in the booth. And and I I I did get a chance to do some play-by-play in in college on the radio. And there is something special about being in the booth. Now, I was, at, I was on the college level and all that kind of thing. But, but there is this intensity and you, you do feel a part of things because you're trying to let the, the listener or the viewer in on what's really going on there. And, and so it's kind of a big responsibility. And, and so it was just neat hearing his perspective after all these years doing radio and, and TV on, on different shows it's just a little bit different during a game in the booth. Um, for me, I always enjoyed the show side of things. That just fit my, my personality, and so that's why I continue to do this podcast and, and the weekly radio show and, and all that kind of thing. But for somebody as really versatile as Mark, getting that opportunity to, after all these years, get into the booth, uh, it's pretty sweet, pretty sweet for him. 
Uh, but the big takeaway for me today was his description and in talking about how he noticed how the Redskins players loved each other when he when he went to that chapel service and and just seeing how his teammates interacted and then telling the story about how his buddy gave him the opportunity to really get into the NFL and then how he returned the favor to to help his buddy later on and and so I'm just such a a big supporter of relationships friendships deep connections looking out for one another and, and, and unfortunately, because we get so busy in life, because we got so many things going on, it, it's so hard to actually keep up with people or to, to put the time and effort into developing good relationships. Um, but, but especially just in, in that friendship regard that, that we actually look out for each other. And when given the opportunity to open up doors for, for some of our buddies or to, to serve them in some way, and, and to fill in the gaps maybe when they're, they're struggling or in need of something that we can be there for them. And, and not necessarily that someday they do it in return, but that's just kind of how it goes, uh, which is a wonderful thing. And, and so, so just appreciated him sharing about that and, and thought that that was a good encouragement for all of us to just kind of take an inventory of our own friendships and our role in those friendships and maybe how we can just continue to develop them in an even more meaningful way. So would love to know your thoughts on today's interview. Shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Leave your comments on unpackingit.com. Actually, uh, you can do that there or in iTunes. We really appreciate that. Follow me on Twitter, Bryce Radio. Have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon right here on the Unpacking It podcast.